Hey everyone, what's uh, welcome to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia. It is Friday, October 29, 2021. Hope you're all doing well. Looking forward to the weekend. Obviously, Halloween candy coming up. <laughs> Probably for most of you or somewhere. So, definitely uh, enjoy that. Um, gonna go into my Friday football uh, picks and previews of week 8 of the NFL 2021 NFL season before we get into that um, do want to say there were quite a bit of some great NBA games yesterday um, had the Knicks barely hold off the Chicago Bulls um, 104 to 103 I think uh, DeMar DeRozan had an opportunity to win the game. Tough shot, kind of airballed it. Um, so Knicks got a uh, close one yesterday. And then you look at the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. They went to Golden State, won 104 to 101. Uh, great performance from John Morant and this uh, Grizzlies team that obviously. Right now, it's playing really well. And Golden State, obviously, uh, you know, you know what they're going to be able to do, obviously, with Curry. Um, but it went overtime yesterday, and Memphis got a couple more uh, big-time uh, shots down the stretch to win that game. So, that was a good one. You had the Hawks lose to the Washington Wizards. You know, Trey Young kind of talking about a lot of missed calls. And, you know, this new league rule with the... You know, not letting these offensive players, you know, draw these calls and get these calls is, I mean, it's kind of good to see in one way because, you know, we, we know that, you know, a lot of times, even Harden, you know, Trey Young, uh, even other players do it fairly well throughout the years. Um, but we know that Harden and Trey Young both have been really masters of being able to initiate contact and make it happen off the dribble. So when you see them not getting those calls, it's kind of a little bit refreshing to see because you know that they're going to have to work work around it, you know. So, you know, obviously different different opinions on this league rule right now of like, you know, they're not going to be calling those calls that you used to call. Now, they will call some of those calls, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much Harden and Trey Young kind of work through those calls because obviously they both are not averaging as much as free throw attempts as they were last season. Still a long way to go, but from the looks of it, right, you know, seems like, um, you know, there'll be a lot more of maybe defense being looked at more than, like, who fouled who on this play, you know, so uh, it should be interesting to watch how that goes down. So week eight, week eight of the NFL uh, did kick off uh, last night. With the Green Bay Packers getting a 24-21 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Now, both teams were definitely banged up heading into this matchup. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, even though he did play, uh, he was dealing with a hamstring injury, which he wasn't really be able to be out there as much as he would have liked. Um, and look at the Packers. Obviously, they didn't have Adams and you know Lazard. Um, or Scandling out there, but um, they found a way to make this game interesting. Um, 
you know, Rondell Moore uh, for the Arizona Cardinals did have a couple of miscues. You know, I think there was one, obviously, special teams play in which, you know, he kind of didn't realize that he wasn't in place and kind of went off his fingertips of his foot. Uh, that gave the Packers, obviously, a great opportunity in the end zone, which the Cardinals defense, for albeit they played... Um, they played fairly well um, for the most part, you know, trying to kind of keep their offense in the game. You know, the Cardinals did have a goal line stand yesterday where the Packers decided to go forward on fourth down and goal up 24-21. Um, and, you know, kind of tipped the pass at the, at the line of scrimmage or kind of in, in that vicinity. So, you know, that was something that um that took place uh, but you look at this game and where it kind of came down to um you know you had the carnal strike first right um you had you saw james connor do some really nice things he had a nice performance and it was 10-7 at halftime and the packers were just really methodical in their approach you know, have to um give them credit as a defense they did get quite a bit of stops uh, against Arizona. Um, now, Kyle Murray could have been a little better in some spots. I mean, he did get the ball down the field. There were a couple of spots where, you know, he got it going in the second half a lot more. But Packers did a good job of not letting him, like, get those big plays in the first half, kind of keeping everything methodical. They ran the football with Aaron Jones and Dylan. Uh, you saw Rodgers do a good job of just making quick passes, quick throws, as I had mentioned in my preview. So, they kind of kept this game in their favor. They ran, I think, a lot more plays than the Arizona Cardinals did. They dominated time of possession. Um, but it was still a close game. And it came down to uh, just, you know, one of those plays which, you know, you look back at it and the Cardinals had their chance. You know, they had their chance. They were really marching down the field. A couple of big plays. A.J. Green was making. And then they got in the end zone area. And... You know, Hop, um, you know, Hopkins, I don't think was out on this play, but, you know, Murray had a chance. He threw it to the right side, and A.J. Green didn't really turn and look for the look for the football. As a result, that pass kind of ended up in the cornerback of Rashid Douglas, who was able to tiptoe and make that interception in the end zone, game over. So the Cardinals obviously had two timeouts. They paced themselves fairly well in this game. You saw Murray make some plays, right? Uh, you know, I saw the running game kind of be a factor as well. But it just came down to, you know, Kyler Murray um, just making that throw and making that play. And for some reason, A.J. Green just wasn't able to turn around um, and, and make a play for the football. And as a result, that ended up in the Packers' uh, hands. And, you know, just look at it in a multiple ways. I mean, it was a tough way for them to lose the game because we know that they had... They had really, you know, the clock down to a, uh, quite a bit, you know. I was first thinking that, okay, they score, they're going to try to take a lot of time off, not give Rodgers the ball back. But the execution could have been a little bit better, I think, um, with that play call. Maybe they could have trusting for Zach Ertz instead. But rather than doing that, they, you know, I mean, AJ Green was making some big, big plays, no doubt, in this game. Um... Now, he was dealing with something as well in terms of an injury, but he was out there and he, you know, on that play, it just seemed like he was just trying to block or just not 
be in that play, but, you know, Murray, obviously, when he made that play, he did have some kind of injury that, his, you know, he was kind of limping afterwards a little bit. Um, but the, the, that play call, I mean, you know, you can kind of say that, you know, since with Green's height and ability to jump and do that, he could make a play, but either they weren't on the same page or they just weren't, Adrian Green just wasn't really looking for the football in that moment. Uh, whatever it was, I mean, he gave the Packers the, the win there because the Cardinals were, were going to score. And so, you know, like that, but that particular play call to the outside, you know, I would have rather seen a, you know, an RPO look or like have Kyler Murray put it in, even though he was kind of, you know, looking a little bit, you know, off of the, with the, you know, kind of limping. I mean, I would have liked to see Kyler Murray take that ball instead and try to score. Um, but, you know, they went with A.J. Green and it didn't work out. So, I mean, overall, a great game for both teams. I think, I mean, obviously this was the kind of expected between both teams. Um, they may see each other again in the postseason, which I hope they do. Because we know that, you know, in terms of um, injuries and stuff like that, no team was at their best in terms of a full roster. Um, but even despite this loss, the Cardinals... Uh, still find themselves in a good spot in the NFC West. Uh, for the Packers, it's a huge win. Uh, they won seven straight, and we're just seeing that, I mean, they can really win in a variety of ways, and they did it with a running game, uh, particularly very well in this game. And, you know, they didn't turn the football over, played a clean game. The Cardinals had three turnovers in this game, um, you know, if I recall. So they had three turnovers in this game, and... Obviously, you know, there was one interception that was tipped off the Rondell Moore's hands. Um, so, Packers played a fairly good game. Um, and they got a huge win now. So, uh, they're right there probably at the top um, of the NFC. And it's going to be interesting to see, I'll wish you know, to see how the Bucks and Cowboys kind of do this weekend. And see if they can kind of keep on par, um, you know, with the way that we saw the Packers play. It should be uh, an interesting uh, battle for the NFC top seed down the stretch. So let's get it right into it. Um, I'm going to list my top five games of week eight coming up this Sunday. Um, now, there are going to be a couple of interesting games. Um, obviously, a um, couple of big divisional games, right? Um, and then you got, uh, you know, the Vikings hosting Dallas on Sunday Night Football. And, you know, Dak Prescott's status, obviously, for that game is yet to be determined uh, just because of that cap strain that he had. So, you know, you have that game coming up. Um, you know, you'll see Mike White make his first official start for the New York Jets against Cincinnati. Um, and then you look at, uh, you know, what else is on the table, obviously. Um, you know, you've got the uh, 49ers in Chicago. Obviously, both teams looking to kind of find themselves and decide, you know, what will be their future quarterback. Um, so... It's a big week, I think, for a lot of teams who are trying to make up ground on the division. And we're going to see if those teams can kind of deliver and make it happen. 
So the first game uh, that I have my eyes on this weekend, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Steelers are coming off obviously a a bye week, you know, at three and three, taking on Cleveland, who's at four and three. Um, Baker Mayfield uh, status for this game is, you know, there's a chance that he may play in this game, chance that he may not. Um, but this is a big game for both teams in terms of, you know, trying to stay on par and keep pace with the Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, Baltimore Ravens. You know, so um, it's one of those games in which, you know, this is obviously a rematch. It's the first time two teams are playing each other since that AFC uh, wild card game last year, which Cleveland won. And we know that. Obviously, both teams are at interesting junctures in their seasons, right? Where, you know, Pittsburgh obviously has, you know, got off to a shaky start. Um, you know, wasn't playing well, but they've kind of come on the last few weeks. And then you have the Cleveland Browns, who have just struggled with injuries. Um, have been They have been, you know, on and off on defense. Their offense has been, you know, somewhat... Of a struggled, you know, if, if you look at look at from the quarterback's point of view, I mean, obviously Mayfield has done some things okay, some things he hasn't done okay this season. Um, but you know, overall they're still in the, in the mix of things, and you know they are trying to get more healthier. Actually, you know, as the week goes on, so um, look at Kevin Stefanski, look at Mike Tomlin. Obviously, Mike Tomlin's, um, you know. Obviously, with his experience and how he has been with Ben in Cleveland, with his record, and, you know, things have always been kind of, you know, easy for McDonald in the past. But this is a different Cleveland Browns team, and you know, obviously, no doubt that that loss to the Browns last year is still on their minds. They won't talk, you know, speak about it, but, you know, they definitely want to get that victory there in Cleveland. And so, I mean, both teams obviously have the firepower to score and put up points. Uh, just a question of, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, you know, for Ben Roethlisberger, obviously he's had a couple of good weeks now in a row. You know, it's all about can he kind of avoid those turnovers that he had last year in that playoff game, and can he play a good game overall to keep the, the Steelers in a winning position this game. Uh, and then for Cleveland, whether it be Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum, uh, we saw the running game be a huge factor last week, right, against Denver with running the ball with Dennis Johnson. Nick Chubb may or may not be back. So uh, this Browns offense, obviously, you want to see a little more explosive plays and scoring from other spots um, outside of the wide receiver position. So uh, it's going to be an interesting chess match between both teams and how they want to kind of come at each other in this game. So I'm going to list my three keys to victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think first and foremost, they really need to feed uh, Najai Harris the ball. Uh, obviously, Harris has been a really bright spot for the Steelers' offense. When he runs the football and gets a lot of touches, their offense definitely plays much better as a, as a unit. They pass protect much better. They get after a little bit much better. So I think with you know Najai Harris, you gotta feed him the ball, let him make those plays, you know, in the running game, but also you know find him out on the in the passing game as well. You know we've seen that he can do a couple of good things when the ball is in his hands, and they're gonna need that, um, you know, against this Cleveland Browns defense that you know 
Obviously, you saw how Austin Eckler did a couple of weeks ago against his Cleveland Browns defense. So, if you give Harris the ball, let him kind of make those uh, touches, you know, I think that will be a huge thing, um, you know, this season. You know, that's something that, that something has to be featured a lot more than what has been kind of shown. Um, you give him the ball, you know, he'll be like really good in those trenches and obviously with Cleveland how their defense is sometimes you know you kind of want to run up the middle and see if you can kind of gain some traction on those plays and I think that that is the key you know um they keep a good balance right between running the football and having Ben throw it you know lesser than 40 50 times a game then that's a formula for, for success for the Steelers this season the second key for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game Second key really is Ben Roethlisberger and just being able to uh, stretch this Cleveland Browns defense. Now we know that you know they played well against Denver, um, but the opportunities there to be had in the passing game for the Steelers. And so Ben's going to have some favorable matchups with, with Claypool, Deontay Johnson out there. And if you got to find these guys for you know 10 plus 15 plus yards down the field in this game. Now, yes, maybe the Browns might try to make them throw the underneath routes and things like that. But, you know, Ben obviously has been really good against um, against Cleveland in his career um, at, you know, whether it be, you know, some, some spots. So, you know, albeit he can still, you know, he still has to show that he can get it done. And um, with Claypool, with Deontay Johnson, with Ebron, a couple of guys there, I mean, you want to see just Ben really... Excuse me. Do a good job of um, being able to, um, you know, just make sound decisions, right? Don't try to press the ball and force the ball in spots they don't have to force the ball. And I think that's the key for Ben Roethlisberger is just, you know, not forcing those balls in some spots where they can be turnovers. You know, so play a turnover free game. I think the third key for the Steelers, their defense has to be able to force a lot more pressure and you know bad decisions from either Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield you know but they got to keep this Browns offense uh, in front of them let them get those plays that they want to get those plays in front of them but don't give up the, give up the big play you know try to work the middle of the field you know definitely got to you know got to make sure that you can get to get some pressure get some blitzes you know make it tough for this offense to convert on third down especially those long situations you know, just being physical with Cleveland, trying to force um, other guys to step up other than Landry and Beckham. Um, you just want to uh, make them kind of, uh, you know, find success somewhere else in terms of the uh, terms of the field. You know, so I think the Steelers can do that. You know, force some pressure, force some turnovers, get you know, win the battle of field position. I think that the Steelers defense will set up this offense fairly well in this game. Now, the three keys for the Cleveland Browns in this one, I think number one, um, you know, they got to get more, I think, out of uh, their tight ends. Now, Cleveland obviously is, you know, really good running the football. We know that. But, you know, they do have a couple of tight ends in Austin Hooper, you know, David Njoku. Uh, there's also another, you know, Harrison Bryant. Obviously, you want to be able to find success with, you know, Landry and Beckham and people Jones. But I think in this game... There's, there's one spot that the Browns may have success against is attacking the middle of the field, you know, the, the Steelers' linebacking corps. So 
like to see more of the tight ends be involved in this game. You know, I think that if they can just find ways to kind of work the middle of the field, get the tight ends more involved in this game, I think it will make it much more easier for them to find success. If you see the side to kind of you know, double cover someone, excuse me, or, um, you know, keep um, the big passing game like out of the question. So I think you got to work the middle of the field and you got to get your tight ends the ball uh, fairly often in this game. The second key for the Cleveland Browns, the secondary has to do a good job of taking away Claypool. Uh, you got to force uh, the Steelers just to be like, be you know, be more methodical, you know, make them. Um, run the football, make them try to get those short passes and tackle. Um, but, you know, they can't give up those big plays. And they have to kind of keep Ben from, like, being able to extend that play and make a deep pass on the field. So it's about the Browns being a little bit more disciplined in the secondary by making plays on the football. But they got to take away Claypool and, and, and try to keep, um, you know, the Steelers from trying to convert on those long downs, especially in the end zone as well. They gotta be better in that area. And I think if, if the Browns do that, they'll give their offense a better shot in terms of you know having more possessions. And they can keep the Steelers setting for field goals. And I think the third key um, for the Cleveland Browns in this game, um, you know, it just comes down to them just being able to execute, right? Being able to execute, especially when it comes to um, you know. Be good in those play calls, you know. Be good in those play calls in terms of, you know, short yardage situations. You want them to be aggressive in this game. I think that, you know, we, we've seen Cleveland be, be that way at times. But I think in this particular game, like, you know, you want to see some just really good uh, sound football. You know, avoid the turnovers. You know, make those throws, make those attempts as much as possible. You know, so when it comes to executing, I mean, I think the running game obviously has been a huge success for them. So they've got to really stay with that. Even if they fall behind a little bit, they cannot get out of their element, their style. They got to be more physical up front and try to do a good job of pass protection as well in this game because we know that the Steelers, obviously, TJ Watt, how they can play. You know, you got to keep those things kind of in mind. So I think just being sound in those key moments where you need to get your running game going, where you need to pick up those yards after the catch, I think Cleveland has to do that very well in this game. I have the Browns winning this game. Uh, I think that they're just going to be much better. Um, you know, I think last week's win was, a, you know, starting to turn of a corner. The Steelers are rested, you know, and everything, but I think that the Browns, considering how they've been so far this season, I think they need this win more. Um, yes, Pittsburgh is going to put up a good fight, but I think Cleveland gets it done, and I think that they're going to produce a lot more plays, and they, I think they'll convert more in the end zone than the Steelers will in this game, and the Browns will get this uh, this key division win. So the next game uh, that I want to preview would be uh, the Tennessee Titans taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Tennessee Titans are sitting at five and two. The Colts are at three and four. Uh, obviously, both teams are you know playing fairly well. The Colts have obviously 
kind of recovered from a slow start, playing much better on both sides of the ball. You're seeing Carson Wentz actually do a lot of things good in some stretches, so they hope to keep that up um, with this home game coming up. And you look at for the Colts, you know, Jonathan Taylor has been a bright spot. Michael Pittman Jr. has started to really emerge as well in terms of just being able to you know, make their impact on this team. Tennessee, on the other hand, on a three-game winning streak. You know, they've beaten the Bills and Chiefs recently. So, their offense is starting to really dial it up with, you know, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, you know, doing fairly well. So, this game will really come down to how well Tannehill, um, Tannehill or Carson Wentz will re-execute in the fourth quarter. So, the keys for the Tennessee Titans in this one, I think, first... AJ Brown, Julio Jones, they need more targets in this one, especially when it comes down to being in the Colts, you know, territory. You gotta make those plays. Tannehill has to be really good in getting the ball to these guys. Be efficient and try to stretch them on the outside on the perimeter. But you gotta win with these matchups, especially uh, knowing how the Colts can be uh, down the field. You gotta go after their cornerbacks and their safeties and make them work uh, to one side of the ball. The second key for Tennessee is that their defense had four sacks last week. They need to do a good job of, you know, wrapping up Jonathan Taylor and not letting the Colts, you know, make yards after the catch. Um, Fourth, Carson Wentz to kind of double think, kind of revert back to like thinking and, and about the play that he wants to make. But you gotta get some pressure, gotta get some hands up, um, but try to make it more tough for them to settle in and pass protect. And you know. Obviously, shutting down Taylor is obviously the biggest key. They do that, make them one-dimensional, uh, force Carson Wentz to kind of throw it 30, 40 times in a game instead and see what he can do against your defense. And the third key for the Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry. you got to feed him the ball. We know that he's been one of the best this season in terms of just being able to rack up yards after, the, after contact, after catch. You give him the ball, let him pace the game. Uh, obviously, it makes it much more easier on those short down situations. So, give him the ball because we know that when he has over 100 yards rushing, Tennessee is always in a good spot to win these games. Um, and they're going to need him down the stretch in this game as well. The keys for the Indianapolis Colts in this one I think Carson Wentz has to continue playing well, you know, make plays when needed. He's got to protect the football. You know, that's obviously a huge thing that has been a problem for him previously but he's played much better since he's been able to kind of find his way in this offense the second key uh, for the Colts is you know I, I, you know, I mentioned off the top Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman have been really good with the Colts lately they need to get their fair share of targets and targets early in this game uh, you gotta wear down Tennessee make them kind of come up and like make those cat you know those those uh, plays so they have to move the chains, pick up first downs, and keep Tennessee's defense on the field as much as possible. Uh, third key for the Colts, they have to slow down Derrick Henry. Um, make someone else beat you, other than Derrick Henry in this game. You know, you gotta kind of pick your matchups, but the Colts cannot let them, you know, go down the middle and you know, feed the ball to Henry all the time. They have to really make it tough for. Um, Tennessee to get some first downs, pick up some yards. They gotta make Tannehill kind of earn it more, um, you know, on those third downs and 
those sort of situations. So the Colts do that. I think they have a good chance of winning. Their defense has been playing much better. And looking at this game, Tennessee has been obviously playing very well. They did escape with a win right against Buffalo. Really put a number on Kansas City. I think this game, although I think the Colts get a home win here, I think the Colts are going to play a little more with an intensity on defense. I think they're going to make it harder for Tennessee to score in this game than we've seen, you know, a couple teams do. And I think that the Colts will kind of, you know, have a much more of a balanced attack than Tennessee will in this game. I think it will be a close game. I think the Colts, although, get a chance at the end to win this game. And I think Carson Wentz delivers um, and puts the Colts in a position to win this game. And they'll get, you know, I think they'll get this big thing win because they need to keep up with the division, right? Tennessee has been, you know, obviously leading off to start now. But I think for the Colts and their playoff hopes, they have to really start winning some of these big-time games. And I think they get this done at home against Tennessee in a close one in the fourth quarter. So the next matchup that I want to preview uh, is between the New England Patriots and the LA Chargers. Patriots are three and four. The Chargers are four and two. Should be a great matchup, uh, considering how you know you have Brandon Staley on one hand and Bill Belichick and what he can do. Um, now the Chargers are coming off obviously, you know, their bye week and a loss before that to the Baltimore Ravens, which they got. You know, really outplayed uh, in all facets, and so they're going to be looking to play much better, especially Justin Herbert um, in this game. And for Justin Herbert, obviously, you know, last year the Patriots put up, you know, quite a quite a performance against the Chargers. So Justin Herbert, you know, is going to get another shot of you know being able to kind of see what he can do against Bill Belichick and how he likes you know scheme his defense in this game. You have Mac Jones and the Pats who are trying to stay right in the mix of the AFC East behind the Buffalo Bills. Now their quality of wins hasn't been that impressive, uh, but they are three and four, you know, albeit. And so now they're just trying to find their ways to like stay in the playoff hunt in the AFC picture. So the keys for the Patriots in this game, I think the first key is you know that running game obviously has been. Um, becoming more and more of a factor um, this season, and so I think that they need to need to rely on that a lot. You know, the Chargers have given up a few hundred-yard rushing performances this season as a defense. So, if the Patriots can just find ways to run the football, uh, keep you know moving the chains, uh, I think they will be in a good spot. It may be a little bit more harder to do. In this game, just because of how the Chargers can play as a defense, but I think they have to stick to the run if they want to keep this game and their kind of pace and their kind of style for their defense and their offense to be in. And the second key for the Patriots is, you know, you saw the tight ends uh, start to get more and more looks now, more production. So I think McDonald's needs to find them early in this game, attack the middle of the field, you know, but uh, it's all about producing. Um, big plays in the, at, at this Chargers defense, right? A lot of teams have done it this season. You know, the Patriots obviously are trying to do that. Um, so Mac Jones obviously has progressed well under Josh McDaniel so far. So 
time to see now if he can kind of continue to make those throws that he made against Tampa Bay and all the previous games. But you know, against this state, you know, against his defense and what Brandon Staley might do. Uh, let's see if Herbert, uh, sorry, if Mac Jones can get it done. Um, you know, if they need to depend on him. Uh, you know, down a couple of points. We've seen him, you know, kind of do it before the season, and you know, he's doing fairly well considering what he has around him, right? The talent around him. Um, he should be able to find some success in this game, and we're gonna see if he can produce enough enough plays. Uh, to kind of keep pace with what the Chargers may do as an offense. And then the third key for the Patriots is that their defense needs to get after Herbert, try to limit the big plays, force underneath coverages and passes. Uh, but they got to make it difficult for Herbert. Um, and obviously Bill Belichick did that last year, but totally different game this year. So I think that will be a key is how well the Pats can kind of limit those big plays and keep the Chargers from like putting it in the end zone quite a bit in this game. The keys with the LA Chargers in this one, I think their defense has to make it difficult for the pass offensive line. You know, gotta get pressure, gotta force more quick ones from from Mac Jones, see if he can get it done. And then the second key for the Chargers is that Justin Herbert has to do a better job of starting fast. You know, converting on third downs. I think that's really important in this game. Being able to move the chains, you know, get the ball out, spread it. The Patriots. DBs out, try to find some matchups other to attack, right? Um, and then the third key is, there are going to be certain matchups um, for Austin Eckler and Jared Cook in this game. I think that the Chargers should look at. Now, Bill Belichick may take away Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, depending on how the coverages are. So, I think the third key is just finding advantage to take advantage of certain matchups, like Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, you know, Jared Cook, this would be a great spot for these two to really produce in those moments where, you know, they're not getting much traction on the outside. Um, so I think if the Chargers do that, I think they'll find a way to win. I see this being a close game. I don't think that the Patriots are going to be totally out of it. I know the Chargers will be out of it. I think it'll be a nice competitive game. Um, I think it will head into the second half. Um, but I think Justin Herbert uh, is going to bounce back. You know, he's had a, a bite, you know, a week to sit on what kind of happened in, in Baltimore. I think he'll come out strong in this home game. I think he'll take advantage of some early looks. And I think that he's going to be able to produce, I think, and make more big plays with his arm than Mac Jones will be able to do in this game. And I think that that'll be the difference. I think that Matt, Justin Herbert gets a chance to put it away late. And I think he'll put it away um, with a you know, couple of scores and the Chargers will... Uh, remain right there uh, with the Raiders at the top of the division. So the next matchup that I want to preview is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. You have the Buccaneers at 6-1, New Orleans at 4-2. Uh, it's obviously a rematch from obviously the wild card game uh, last year, and we know that a lot of things have kind of changed between both teams since you know then and now. When James Winston plays the Bucks for the first time, you know head to head since uh, 2015 when he was there for almost uh, you know he was drafted back in 2015, spent a number of years right with the Bucks, and then they decided to pursue Tom Brady, and we know that Winston was obviously not in their future plans, um, and they let him go. Now, Winston was the one who threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions for the Bucks at one point in his career. 
So, you know, get the chance now to, you know, lead the Saints team to a home victory in this game. Uh, you know, the Bucks and Saints have both have had memorable games, I would say, um, throughout their history and has been more competitive and more interesting, I would say, um, the last couple of games and going back into the last year. Um, so, you look at this, I mean, the Saints are going to try to rely on their defense, right, to be more of a factor in this game, to make it more tough for Leonard Fournette and Tom Brady. Um, so it should be a good one. Obviously, Winston, um, you know, is going to have to, do, to play big time uh, and really try to take advantage of some of the matchups he'll have in this game. So the keys for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game, I think the first thing is that they have to make a count third down, right? Brady is still going to be without Antonio Brown, Gronkowski. So, you know, he's just got to be good in terms of being able to buy some extra time, maybe to connect with those passes. The Saints will try to take away a lot with Evans, and so you know if Brady can get a little bit extra time in the pocket, he's got to make a count on those third on those third downs in the game. I think that's really important with that Saints defense, that crowd noise. I think that would be a factor, and Brady has to make it be good in terms of that area, just buying time and connecting on those third down plays. I think the second key for the Buccaneers is I want to see more of a combo of Leonard Fournette, you know, Ronald Jones, and Giovanni Bernard. You know, use different formations, but try to, you, you got to find a way to get this Saints defense out of place, wear them down in a variety of ways, and so, you know, you're going to run with Fournette, but you got to let, you know, Jones and Bernard get some share of the targets as well. Try to use a comp of all three of them at some point in this game, and like, try to, you know, keep the Saints from stacking the box or, you know, committing an extra defender to Mike Evans. You got to use a combo of your running backs in this one to get the Saints defense off its game. And I think the third key for Tampa Bay is that their defense has to slow down Alvin Kamara. You know, let make James Winston beat you, right, in this game with opportunities to other wide receivers. Um, you know, you don't want to let Kamara kind of get it going. Make Winston beat you from the pocket. See what he can do in terms of, you know, who he can find down the field. But don't let Alvin Kamara, you know, Pummel you with over 100 yards rushing in this game. I think the three keys for the New Orleans Saints in this one. I think the first thing is uh, you've got to use Alvin Kamara a lot in this game. Obviously, we've seen what he can do against this Buccaneers defense last year. you got to give him the ball. Um, obviously, the screen plays and stuff like that. But you got to get up to a fast start with him. Give him the ball early. Try to get some plays going. Um, but you got to use him in a variety of ways in this game. And Sean Payton's going to have to uh, call his number a lot, I think, early on in this game. I think the second key is the Saints defense has to find a way to get turnovers. They did a good job last year against the Bucks, but that was when Brady was like kind of still figuring out this Buccaneers offense. Now that since he's you know, won the Super Bowl and has been the second year of this Bruce Arians offense, you've got to find a way to slow him down. He's been really a great... This season, in terms of getting the ball out, making plays happen, you gotta get turnovers on him. You gotta get miscues on him. At some point, with your pass rush, with your, with your secondary, you gotta make plays on the football in this game if you wanna have a chance. And then the third key is you need to see some of the same wide receivers step up in this game. You know, they do have a couple of veteran players, a couple of unknown players. They've gotta make it count. This Buccaneers defense isn't the same in terms of the cornerback position. They've got to find matchups and exploit those matchups. And Winston's going to have to be 
really good at getting these guys down the field and making big plays happen. So I expect this to be a great game between both teams. I think it will be close. Um, but having said that, I'm not picking against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in this one. I just think that the Saints are going to just you know, be a little bit held back by just lack of explosive plays, right? They don't have enough explosive plays, uh, explosive wide receivers, or play, players that can make you know those plays consistently. So I think that it comes down to making those plays, and I don't see the Saints doing that well enough in the fourth quarter. I think they'll keep it close. I think Alvin Kamara will keep it close, but they they haven't you know they, we haven't seen a, a lot of big plays from their wide receivers, right? Michael Thomas may not be back yet. They haven't had a whole lot of success in terms of the passing game. They've won despite it, right, with their defense playing great. But I think in this particular game, I think their offense isn't going to be able to produce against Tom Brady on that defense late. I mean, I think that, that you'll see a game in which maybe the Bucks might get behind because, you know, the Saints defense might make it tough. But I don't see, the you know, James Winston being able to do just enough to, like, hold off the Buccaneers in this one or win against the Buccaneers in this one. So the final um, game that I want to preview for Week Eight um, is between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and as well, I'll make my uh, picks as well for the rest of the games. So you have Dallas coming off a of bye week. Um, you know, I think Minnesota as well, maybe. Uh, and you know, Dallas obviously has been leading the, the division uh, fairly easily. You know, you've obviously seen Dak Prescott have a really good season, a good stretch of games. Obviously, this defense and Trevon Diggs is uh, really making a lot of plays for this team overall. Um, so overall, you're just seeing them getting it done, um, even with the with the running game of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony uh, Tony Pollard. Uh, you know, they are sinking on all cylinders and. We know that they're going to be getting a little more healthier, I think, with the return of DeMarcus Lawrence in some time. So, look at this game. Uh, you have Minnesota on the, on the other side. Minnesota kind of started off a little bit shaky, but uh, Mike Zimmer has got them back on the right track due to the play of, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. Uh, they've been able to do a much better job of being able to win those games um, that they have to win. And especially the one against Carolina was very impressive. So um, you're seeing obviously Thielen and Justin Jefferson make the plays they have to make in terms of you know getting things done from an offensive standpoint of view. Um, defensively, you know, still things that you'd like to see improvement. But Minnesota has a really good opportunity um, to get um, over 500, um, and this game is on Sunday Night Football. Now, for Dallas, the only concern, uh, the biggest concern for Dallas heading to this game is Dak Prescott and whether or not he'll play. Um, it was reported that he, has, he had you know, a calf strain and um, you know, you kind of heard some things about you know, you know, being 100% and you know, obviously you've seen Jerry Jones speak about it a little bit to an extent, Mike McCarthy. Um, 
something to watch out for. I think his game time decision will come down to like you know game night. So you know we'll find out about that then. But you know uh, for the Vikings, you know this game is really just about getting off to a fast start and being able to play well. We know that you know they obviously had a lot of turnover on defense, but this offense, Kirk Cousins, you know. This is kind of one of those prime time slots where the Minnesota Vikings definitely need to show up and win, and that is the case for for um, Kirk Cousins, who we know that has had his fair share of ups and downs when it's he's you know inserted in the in the prime time uh, you know slot position um, you know of an NFL Sunday. So let's go with my three keys for the Dallas Cowboys in this game to win. First key for Dallas, I think, is, you know, you got to use the combo of Elliott and, you know, Tony Pollard in this game. You know, feed these guys the ball early. You know, we know that when the Dallas runs the football and they have it going, then it opens up a lot of things for their offense. So I think that is a priority, especially to keep Minnesota's defense from... You know, trying to bring those blitz and pressures. You know, so we know that they've, you know, with how Dallas has played this season. You know, they've obviously been great in both aspects. Um, so, but I think going forward, obviously you're on the road and obviously in Minnesota in front of that crowd. You know, and all that. You know, you want to run run the football, kind of stick to blocking well and creating those running gaps. I think that's a big key for for Dallas in this game. I think the second key for the Cowboys is, you know, we saw C.D. Lamb really uh, have one of those big games. He's been playing well so far this season, doing a really good job of uh, making it happen. So, you know, you've got some favorable matchups against this Vikings secondary. You like to see Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, you know, win those matchups, um, you know, make those plays down the field and when needed. Um, so expect both of them to get a lot of targets and you know if it's not Dak Prescott starting it might be Cooper Rush but um, whoever does start a quarterback I think it will be Prescott you know you want to be able to get these guys the ball and you know get into a rhythm offensively with, with, with these two um, and, and make those plays down the field I think the third key for Dallas their defense uh, they've got to slow down uh, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. Um, not, you know, you also have to take into consideration Justin Jefferson. But I think for Dallas, the first thing is you know you want to contain Dalvin Cook, and you really want to force Kirk Cousins to test your defense. You know, and we know that you know Dallas may give up a couple of big plays or so, but they do come up with a turnover or so as well. And so I think if they can just limit Dalvin Cook, make Kirk Cousins throw it more than he wants to in this game, you know, I think that will be a recipe for success because we know that Kirk Cousins, as good as he is, sometimes he has those tendencies to fall back and throw you know, a couple of contested throws and, you know, a lot can happen. So I think turnovers are key, but they need, need to make Kirk Cousins kind of beat them um, with his arm, especially in the moments that game is kind of, you know, in play, you know, you want to see that happen. So I think if Dallas uh, is able to make her cousins throw a little bit more, they can probably make more plays on the football. Um, I think that will be a chance for them to, um, 
you know, make some plays and get you know good field position for their offense. The keys for the Minnesota Vikings, I think the first key um, for the Vikings is um, you've got to get off to a, a good start. You know, you're obviously going up against Dallas, who's been really solid. Um, you know, they've kind of gone up against some opponents that they've been able to win easily against. You got to score first, although you know you got to be able to put some points up, kind of show what you can do. So I think. Um, you have to fe- you have to kind of feature everyone in the fact, you know a couple of early drives. You gotta really try to challenge this Dallas defense, and you know you've got Thielen, you got Justin Jefferson, you got a couple of other nice nice role players. Um, you want to make it uh, tough for this defense to defend, and so that's where Kirk Cousins, the play calling comes in. Um, you gotta be aggressive in doing that, and Kirk Cousins has to be really good in terms of you know. Making those plays, but, but, but without turning the football over. I think the second key is uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook um, obviously has dealt with a couple of injuries already uh, this season, and you know he is a, a huge key to this offense and having a good balance. We know what he can do. So you know, give him the ball. Try to kind of match what Dallas is going to do in terms of a offensive standpoint of view. You know, run the football as well with Madison and Cook. Um, Minnesota can definitely do it very well. We've seen them do it well in the past. Um, so I think they got to feature Dalvin Cook a lot, use him in the receiving game as well, um, and make those plays happen in the in the end zone, especially in the red zone area, where they kind of had a couple of drives they've left short uh, earlier in the games this season. And I think the third key... Uh, for the Vikings is that their defense uh, they got to really do a good job of taking away some of those deep options and deep plays you know really force everything in front of you let your pass rush have a chance get to the quarterback uh, but the Vikings cannot get beat by giving up long touchdowns or allowing drives to continue so they have to get out of the field on third down I think that's a huge for them get up on third down um, when Dallas might be in scoring position, getting on third down, third and goal, it's really, really important for the Vikings to keep this game as relatively close as possible, um, but to limit Dallas from scoring touchdowns um, and taking over with their running game late. So, with that being said, it's you know it's obviously a prime time game for the Vikings, and you look at where the Vikings are at this point in the season and where the Cowboys are. Um, you know, this is a game in which Minnesota has a chance to make a statement, to get a victory that they definitely need if they want to kind of continue and be in the hunt with the NFC playoff race. I think Minnesota upsets Dallas this week on Sunday Night Football. Um, you know, with the uncertainty about Dak Prescott and how this Cowboys team will look, obviously coming up a bye, they should be well rested and play well. But I think the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, this is a chance for him to kind of get that you know he hasn't really won much against Dallas I guess in his career you know he's won probably a couple of times but you know he's got like an under 500 record against Dallas which makes you think like why would you pick Kirk Cousins in this game but I think at some point you know with Mike Zimmer and this defense and how they've been playing you know they need a big win I think they get one um, on Saturday Night Football with Dalvin Cook Justin Jefferson being the biggest reasons why they win this game I pick the Vikings to win a close one in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think they get a huge win at home and stay in the picture 
in the NFC North, but also the NFC playoff race as well. So as for my picks of Week Eight, um, you know I already had mentioned Packers beating the Cardinals, so I got that one right. I did not fare too well last week. I think I had an under 500 record last week in my picks, so you know I have I had the Packers winning um, against the Cardinals. As for the other picks. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills over the Miami Dolphins in this one. Um, I got Cincinnati winning um, at the Jets. Have Pitts, uh, sorry, have uh, San Francisco the 49ers be in Chicago at Soldier Field. I got Detroit upsetting Philadelphia. I know that's a stretch, but I mean, Philadelphia, I mean, Detroit has to win one game, right? This is a, a game that they could win. Um, I got the Rams beating the Houston Texans. Um, I already mentioned the Colts beating Tennessee. I got the Chargers beating the New England Patriots at home. Uh, I think Seattle wins against Jacksonville. And then I got Denver um, not winning (laughs) against Washington. I think Washington gets the win. I think they need it more than Denver does, but... Then again, mile high, who knows? But I'm, I'm going to pick Washington actually to win, to win this game. Um, and then I already mentioned Minnesota over Dallas. That's my upset pick. Um, I got Tampa Bay beating. Got Tampa Bay beating uh, New Orleans. And as for Chiefs and Giants, I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Just feel like they are going to kind of go off in one of these games. I think it will be a close one, and uh, I think that this has been a lot of things said about the Chiefs this week, and Monday football, kind of tough feel. I think the Chiefs will get it done, um, but it won't be easy. It'll be a competitive game, I think, um, overall. So there are my picks for the week. Um, of course, I will be recapping all of that on Monday, um, so tune in for that, and have a good weekend. Everyone, uh, definitely enjoy Halloween or any plans you've made for the week weekend. Um, we'll be back with another episode of Real Sports Talk by Raj Kalia on Monday. Have a good weekend, guys. Take care. Bye.